have 60 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You have 60 seconds to comply. This is minute 83. Part man? Part machine. All part. This minute begins with Robocop picking up the baby food jar and ends with Lewis helping him with his targeting system. This is uh, honestly one of my favourite scenes in the movie, and it's, I think, one of those reasons yep. where going into like uh, in the, to the scripts in the book, and I keep bringing it up because, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's such a greatly paced part of the, the narrative. It's a great scene, and, and god damn it, it's really good. Yeah, uh, very, very insightful commentary there. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the episode, so look... um, Robocop, it's fucking good, eh? Just get it up in ya. <laughs> I wish I was that ocker. <laughs> get up! Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> I try to be, I try. You know, I think it's important for us to uh, continue to keep our <laughs> culture strong and alive. Yeah, um, so let's, let's go back into this American film. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Australian Robocop, fuck. Honestly, I am actually writing oh, a couple of science fiction slash horror stories set in Australia. It's a lot of fun because you don't mm. realise how much of our culture you just don't see on screen. The everyday stuff that I take for granted. Then you write it down and you go, oh, that's, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I, I guess that's one of those things where we, we were talking about this uh, last episode. It's like the outsider's perspective into a world can be mm. really interesting. Like... Me because I'm a Brit, you know British expat. I was born in England. I came over, but I came over when I was like seven, eight. We don't hold that against you. I, no, no, no. I had the lobotomy in 1999, so I am a true blue Australian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an Australian citizen. I spent literally three quarters of my life in this goddamn country. But it's, godforsaken land. But it is interesting as a you know as an outsider perspective coming into new country. You know you. You've got to learn to adapt to those cultural things, and early Australian culture was a kind of alien thing to me. And you know, but it's weird when it comes to American culture because we're so steeped in it so mm. much that, as a fact, Australians see more American cinema than they do Australian cinema. Like Australian cinemas, uh, for for many years, has been um lacking, not lacking, but it's been um very unappreciative. Like no one goes to watch Australian movies in the cinemas, so. It's always been a very... Yeah, there was a brief uh, flirtation with Australian culture in the 80s. They seemed yeah. to be real big on it for a while there. But um, it's weird. Even podcasts, by and large, most podcasts I listen to or YouTubers, inevitably they're going to be Americans and they're going to be men as well. I don't know why men constitute yeah. a large portion of those communities. Yeah. Um, so I'm a real outlier in the movies by minute community. There is something to be said about the idea of um, the mass saturation of. Let's face it. Look at like your classic protagonist, the brown haired, blue eyed, white cishet mm-hmm. male. You know, it's like, oh look, there's that guy in literally every single television show ever made, and like, oh, he's yep. the star of every single fucking movie. Oh, he's the protagonist of every single fucking video game. And as soon as yep. anyone steps outside that boundary, you're going to get some fucking dog shit dipshit going, and he's fucking woke. Or they feel like you have to justify why this character isn't American yeah. or white. Or, well, so, but, but, but you changed it, and then you didn't do anything about it or with that. You know, like, um, oh, well, the character's black, and but you never mentioned that. Well, why do you have to mention it? Um, or yeah. I've got um, my uh, Dr. Travian story. It's all female monsters. Because I just thought, well, why is it that monsters, in mm. like the universal horror monsters, why are they all male? No one questions why they're all male, except for the Bride of Frankenstein, and she's kind of a sequel concept. Yeah. Um, That's probably the first self-insert fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> so I just went... Uh, I'm just going to make all the monsters female because I've never seen it before. And I've actually had readers go, well, we have to explain why they're all female. Why? Mm. You don't have to do it when they're all male. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, representation is a thing and uh, tie this into Robocop. I think that's why it's great that a character like Lewis, especially in this scene as well, we'll definitely get to that. It's great that yeah. she's not a atypical female love interest role. She is a peer. She is an equal to Robocop. Hmm. And this movie is very explicit with that. 
Yeah, and they never expl- have to explain her presence in the story. Or, yeah. oh yeah, you have a female partner, or, you know, there's not a single reference to that. There's just, it's not significant in any way. Uh, yeah. They've got unisex change rooms. It doesn't matter. Why can't Lewis shoot as well as Robocop? He's a machine. He's She's a girl, so she can't shoot as well as Robocop. I, I'm just imagining <laughs> the fucking dumbasses watching this today at, in this <laughs> moment. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, apparently you need to be a man to point a gun at thing and shoot. Yes, mm. uh, just gonna sort of skirt around Ray <laughs> in Star Wars, <laughs> there, you know. Yeah, because you see that Luke with with bullseyeing womp rats back in his tea womp. <laughs> Fuck, sorry. Fuck off, man. You know, it's just like why. What is the matter? It's just, it's just space wizards. It's just space wizards, mate. It doesn't. Apparently, Lara crofting around a fucking fallen imperial fucking star destroyer is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, this particular minute. So we've got. Well, in the last minute, uh, I was going to say our final shot is is sort of this tableau mm. and you've got lewis there she's sleeping and she's engaging a perfectly normal human function and then you see murphy or robocop he's awake he's walking around and then he reaches for the baby food and well i mean we see he doesn't actually mm. eat it but it's just this to me it felt like this strangely domestic situation but you've got this character interacting with this situation or environment who doesn't belong there anymore mm. i don't know how, if that makes any sense but it's just what it made me feel it is weird i think um that, yeah no you think you've got the right there like the the um domestic the the homely i think seeing lewis despite <laughs> despite the uh probably non-ergonomic uh bed she's got yes she's clearly comfortable she's She's there, she's relaxed, and she's asleep. And it's one of those things mm. where it's a... In many ways, this is the calm before the storm. This is, you know, the the mm. last moment of peace these two characters are going to get for the rest of this film. And... and these are the kinds of moments I love the most yes. in stories. Especially in action stories. I think these are so pivotal in action stories. Mm. Because you can show me the best special effects... The best special effects. We got the best. I don't know what. Every time I hit, the, I can't even use that word anymore. God, that yeah. prick probably did um, design the end fight sequence for Robocop remake, and we'll get that <laughs> later. Yeah, I mean, you can show me all those special effects. You can show me, you know, every weapon in your arsenal, figuratively and literally, I guess. Mm. And it won't or matter. Make Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it just won't matter because there's no sense of of stakes or importance or why I have an emotional attachment to the situation of these mm. characters. Whereas Robocop, I'm amazed, you know, before I did this movie Spy Minute style, I if you'd asked me, you know, are there a lot of character moments, emotional beats mm. in Robocop, from memory I'd probably say, no, I, I don't think so. And yet, now I'm realizing, God, they're so crucial. They're, they're very subtle. They're quick, but they're so important just to heighten it, just that little bit. No, I would actually turn around and say, yeah, there's character moments. Of course there's character moments. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, but no, you again, you hit upon the right thing there. They're crucial to this story. And mm. again, I think that's what's so significant about this, especially compared to the remake, where we don't have those characters. We have character moments, I guess, but they seem to be more of a function to a narrative more than... One, you know, we don't get a chance to know these characters in that other movie, but in mm. this one, this is why I say that I think this is absolutely perfectly placed within this movie. You know, this is the last moment before the, the literally the before the big confrontation in like two minutes' time. It's so economical. It's just insanely yeah. smooth and laser focused, and I think. This is a kind of story you should be teaching in script writing classes. Just yeah, mm, look yeah, at but... the aerodynamics, the 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 drag, the wind resistance on this thing is <laughs> on this baby is just mm, you know makes Saab jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to get your car in there somewhere. No, you got to um... get. I mean, we're talking about uh, 
what do they call that? The uh, aerodynamic. Um, no, aerodynamic. Something drag resistance, but there's another word. Oh, for um, it. Oh. no, I'm gonna spend the rest of the fucking minute trying to remember. Yeah, that. oh my god, it's driving me nuts. But air coefficiency. No. Yes, the coefficient. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, Robocop. No, um, I think uh, Robocop, especially having. Or between the two of us, having spent so much time with this script in and of itself, and this fucking book as well, seeing the differences between it. So I think it's a great example of showing where of how the script evolves and how also the script evolves from writing on the page to what's seen on the screen, and how important it is to get someone like a, a, a really good creative director, someone who takes the words off the page and has something to say about them and oh we're going to get into that in the commentary notes because mm. there's a lot of symbology in this minute that they flat out talk about in the commentary but you know when you see how a script goes from like you know even just that thing of like the dialogue and just those tiny changes to dialogue and how much of it just can make or break a movie is mm. I think one of those things that needs to be taught more than anything. And it's amazing how little media literacy does get taught considering yeah. how steeped we are within it. Yeah, uh, that's something I've been thinking about a lot is that we all, well, I, I think most people, you know, 99% of <laughs> people engage with stories in some way. So even just eliminating, you know, wealth, access to electricity, we're all engaging with stories. Hmm. And then a lot of us are engaging with movies. It's such a normal pastime. Yeah. Everyone has a TV in their house, unless you're kind of a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Um, it used to be the other way around. Like, TVs were not yeah. ubiquitous. You know, it used to be a sign of... Um, Actually, it used to be a sign of wealth, having a TV. Mm. Then, oh, you've got a colour TV? You've yeah. got two TVs? Oh, you must be shit. rich. And now it's just like, yeah, I've got a TV in every room. It's a fucking flat screen plasma, man. It's 25,000 fucking inches wide. I bought it for 20 yeah, bucks at fucking uh, JD Hi-Fi. Fucking, no, Aldi. <laughs> Aldi, um, yeah. But I'm thinking of getting another one because I don't like this one. And it's, yeah. so it's, just, it's slightly outdated. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I need one that's going to be fitting the entire wall. Yeah. <laughs> I, there are there. I've got like blank spaces in my peripherals that need to be taken <laughs> out by media. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of lining my roof with just TVs. Mm. I meant ceiling, but even the idea of just someone just having that's yeah. Either way, yeah. Robocop. People driving past will uh, <laughs> access your Bluetooth and start playing Pornhub on your roof. <laughs> Live in the dream. <laughs> What a weird tangent. Anyway, this scene. Um, so, Robocop, speaking of weird things, I don't, see, I don't think this makes any sense. If this is a logical robot man, that he is using the baby food jars, a resource that has value to him, that is worth keeping. You know, he can't just walk to the shops. He's Robocop. Why would you not try to preserve that and uh, use some rubbish for targeting? Well, well, this is where I'm going to get to the symbology of the scene in the commentary minutes. But it uh, is... Um, is it rule of cool, or is there something more beneath? Uh, there is something more beneath. Um, no, it's... Uh, more than meets the eye. Oh, shit! What are we going to do now? So there's a... Uh... Yo, why, why, don't, why don't Robocop have tank treads for legs? Same. <laughs> Well, here's the thing I was actually going to mention, is that we actually have never seen, not even in this movie, and I literally can't think of any other time in any other movie, we have never seen Robocop consume the baby food. I was about to ask this question. Have we ever seen him eat food? Now, we know he uh, he's a robot man, so he pro he's probably quite efficient. He doesn't need to eat that much, but mm. we, we see the scenes where he's very deliberately choosing not to eat yeah so we we're kind of getting concerned here like we we know from dialogue that it's an important part of his organic material to not getting too far ahead but also it's one of those things that they don't even bring up in the robocop remake is the baby food is 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 just mm. has to they just reoxygenate his blood yeah they flush his brain space 
Yeah, so that's how they handled it, which is also one of those things where we talked about, like, how does Robocop survive without Omnicorp? However, yeah, so we never actually see Robocop ingest this supposedly um, uh, valuable resource. So my my response is going to be, is it though? Is it? Mm. Mm. You know, it's four face. Oh, I was thinking about that, the, the sort of planned obsolescence of Robocop. Mm. That's inherent in the concept. You know, if you're a cyborg, that means that you have now transcended nature but in the same way you're now chained to another system that's why you know these transhumanist bros who's like oh i'm gonna be so free in the future i'm just gonna have like three dicks <laughs> and, a, and 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 cat ears and uwu and all this shit and like mm, those step bro. on my dreams <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the problem is that okay you've you've escaped this is the escape velocity of 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 nature but you've now shackled yourself to something else that is actually scarier because it's a corporation run by human beings with limited human uh, desires, namely greed and your ass, mm. and it's just yeah. Whereas, um, you know, well, I don't know. Mm. If you think about it, when you become obsolete in nature, you just fucking die, and everyone around you who is like you also dies, and then history probably forgets about you unless you're lucky enough to be preserved in the fossil record. How's about this for a segue? In the book, in this moment, mm. even though, you know, it aligns but earlier on, um, Robocop has an ex- existential crisis. And ah, let me just find, I love those. Let me just find the passage. It, so Lewis has gone to sleep. This is before the targeting and he's working on his uh, legs. He finished his leg and sat alone. It occurred to him that this was to be his fate for... How long? Until his death? Would he die? Or would he keep chugging along? The thought of immortality frightened him. Would he, a man-made machine, stand by and watch generations of humans come and go while he, alone, remained a constant? Would he watch his human companions wither and die while he, his electronic heart whirling placidly, remained stuck in time? He was faced with a very physical form of infinity, a form that would cause the minds of most mortals to buckle under the strain. He chuckled to himself. His laugh, his laugh echoed eerily within his chest cavity. Was it Woody Allen said about immortality? I don't believe in an afterlife, although I am bringing a change of underwear. Uh, yeah, it just keeps what going. What the fuck? Yes. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, uh, he's not really immortal, no. though. No. You know, that's the thing is, if you were magically made immortal in terms of... It's like a curse, and no matter what happened... Oh, there, there was one... Uh, I, it haunts me forever. There was a season of torture. It was like a mini-series. Oh, um... Where... Uh, Miracle Day. Yeah, when no one could die, and they yeah. went to the extremes of... Like, if you really went all out in that concept, yeah. what would... Re- oh, my God... The, the, the premise was that nobody, everyone was functionally immortal, but their bodies still could uh, were susceptible to um, uh, disease. You could still be injured. And so injured. you could be crushed in a compactor. You yeah. could be burned alive. Yeah. You'd still be... There was... I don't know. Yeah. Like, how far do you have to be cremated? Are you They're, still yes. conscious when you're cremated? I think... Did they answer that? They did answer that. And what it basically amounted oh, was to... Oh, that would to, be the worst. It, it was total body destruction. Like, literally, they incinerated people till they were atomized. And oh, my we God. We don't necessarily know that. Too. So, that was... The plot was But what, that, hang on. If you're a pile of ash and you get scattered <laughs> to the wind, is your consciousness just spread across an ocean? What the fuck? Well, this is where you come into things of uh, ideas of souls and ethereal concepts of humanity. Or where does consciousness come from? You know, is it from within the brain or is it within every single cell or is it... Yeah. So, and also the thing is, it's the the fact that people were dying, but they were still conscious. So it's that thing where people would... You know, it's the thing of the... uh, There is a condition where the body appears dead but you're still conscious like you're not receptive to we've talked about oh this yeah yeah that's the horror of it and it was all to do with that someone took captain jack's blood 
and took it to two buttholes in the planet and flipped the switch on humanity and Captain Jack. So he was now fully human. And then they had to sneak his blood to two buttholes in the planet to reverse it. It was not great. Yeah, wow. Uh, that, that's the thing is, I think it's probably the best thing Stephen Moffat's ever been involved in. And it's mostly just because of the concept. Um, I don't know if the writing... It wasn't Stephen Moffat. Oh, was it not, did he not do Torchwood? I think it might have been RDJ. RDJ? Uh, uh, RTD. Russell, RT, RTD, yeah, RTD. Russell, Russell the Davis. I think it Davis, yeah. Let me yeah, just double check. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what are you doing there? Um, that kind of immortality, I think, becomes a real curse. It's horrifying, or, you know, you continue to age infinitely, but you just will not fucking die. And... In the case of Robocop, I don't think I would have an existential crisis over that aspect of it. I would actually find that quite freeing because you go, I have the potential to exist as long as I want and I can consent, hopefully, to my own demise. And I think that would be a wonderful situation. I mean, it's a pretty shitty situation that you've been torn from your body and all of that, but the idea that you can consent to your own death as much as anyone could because mm. that's the issue that i mean i mean i've been reading um pet cemetery which is a very intense Ooh, i haven't read that in so long that was a great book so good but it's this intense exploration of death and uh you know it, there's a passage i was listening to because i listened to it at work i was listening to today where um uh, lewis not not this lewis <laughs> but the, lewis creed is looking at photos of his children at Disneyland and he's looking at all the characters there at Disneyland and then he starts thinking, but you know the character who's always there and the character you don't introduce your kids to and the one you pretend isn't there but is always at Disneyland. It's always there and the happiest place on earth. And it's death. Mm. Or the Oz the Great and Terrible is how he's referred to in the book. But yeah, I just went, damn, that's so fucking true. Mm. You know, you could be in the safest place in the world. You could take every precaution. There is never, never a guarantee. T tomorrow is never guaranteed. And so even if you're Robocop and you've got everything in your favor, you've got this perfect, somehow, perfect mechanical body, your organs fit into it and interact with it perfectly, what's to stop Robocop from just having a stroke just out of the blue? Yeah. No warning. Or does he need oxygen? You know, does he get into a situation where he drowns? <laughs> oh, I'm just imagining Robocop, you know, walking along the bottom of a floor, just slowly pursuing uh, someone to the end of the earth. Uh, so just quickly, yeah. it was Russell T. Davis, and it was a co-production between the BBC and the American uh, network Stars. Ah, uh, Stars. Yeah great because it was half american which also explains the american mm. character that they turned into american mm. jack harkness which kind of sucked oh yeah anyway. mm. yeah so well here's here's what i would say about robocop as an immortal thing and this is the one thing i don't get because i actually i've got a note on this uh for this particular minute people have this idea that mechanical things are gonna last forever and I've mm. been watching a lot of Restoration YouTube, so I can tell you for mm. fucking certain that, no, mechanical things fail. As a woman who lives with a 26-year-old car, <laughs> let me fucking tell you, friend, this shit weren't made to last. And this is a company that really did think in terms of a car running more than 210,000 kilometers. That's what oh, yeah. my car, the logbook, goes up to. This is, uh, you know, not to suck Saab's dick some more. I'm just saying, as an example, even companies that had the best intentions for longevity, they had that in their yeah. plan when building this vehicle. It just, entropy happens, bro. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go with it, is the problem is that people always think this um, organic, fleshy construct that we inhabit, because it, mm. it has such a fragile grasp on life that it like any mm. mechanism is going to outlive it and this is a concept mm. we see a lot in science fiction but the thing is when we look at reality and yeah planned obsolescence of things let's let's just take that off the table in regards to robocop he is still a mechanical object he still has mm. to have maintenance our goddamn horrible 
fleshy meat sack with most made of mostly water still is self-repairing it gets worse over the years granted but it's still self-repairing enough that gives us our longevity I used to be so pro-transhumanism, and I think actually the human body is remarkably resilient. We, yeah, we wish we could do more, but um, think about how much we can actually do now, and how it took billions of years of evolution for us to get to this point. I still think there's some merit to the idea of transhumanism in regards to oh, yeah. um, what technology can do for us to maybe fix some of our... Because, again, you're talking about evolution. Evolution itself is not perfect. Evolution is about yeah. mutation. It's about uh, constant Evolution mutation. is blind and drunk, and the fact that it managed <laughs> to get the piss in the toilet bowl in the first place is frankly a fucking miracle. No, that is perfectly accurate. And so, yeah, these, this idea that evolution... Like, this is the thing of survival of the fittest is wrong, which is what people get absolutely wrong when they're talking about evolution it's not survival of the fittest look at our feet you want an example holy shit what a mess so many bones you don't need that many bones uh tonsils uh yeah uh, the the coccyx uh appendixes horses hooves what the fuck yeah evolution is about <laughs> uh, um random mutations being beneficial not we mm. evolved to become better strong yes there's a degree of breeding that will breed out the undesirable traits but it doesn't mean that we're still not subjected to the fucking chaos that is biology mm. so yeah transhumanism as a way to circumvent that to prevent that type of thing i, I can see that kind of thing i don't mm. think we're ever going to get to the point where we're seeing um deus ex mankind evolve uh, humanity whatever it's fucking called uh, where people yeah. are going yeah mankind I, divided i'm gonna t I, i'm i'm gonna live my dream and become that the ultimate furry robot that everyone wants to fuck but yeah actually I, I do think for all the issues cyberpunk the game has it's very interesting that you do see these impossible bodies mm. and it's eroticized and just seeing that as as normal in that culture that really fascinated me and i don't know how much they go into that in the game itself i've not actually played it but um, yeah those are the concepts in transhumanism that are both worrying but also fascinating that yeah. it's not about um aiding those with disabilities or easing the aging process or even eliminating the aging process altogether those are wonderful things well the funny thing is because we see that in real life we we have mm. a technology now where mm. people that are disabled can actually get an advantage like for example um the new prosthetics for runners where the um kangaroo mm. oh, heel yeah. spring thing they're cool those athletes are now possible to outrun a fully capable, able-bodied person because of that technological advantage. But we're not seeing people chopping off their fucking legs to do that. Yeah. So Yeah, although give it some time. <laughs> <laughs> but that I was actually going to be to my other point to that is, but we do see a problem when it comes to technology where medical things that were used to aid or ease people's um, life, for example, like, you know... Um, breast implants for people with mastectomies or something like that. Yeah. Uh, double mastectomies to give them a better quality of life exploded in, into the plastic surgery blitz we've had for the last 30 mm -hmm. odd years where people just want bigger tits and it's become a cultural thing in some places. Um, I think we've talked about it before about, you know, mm. how implants became even like a gift. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where mm. it does get away from the noble causes of the original intent and it's always going to be a possibility. I don't think we're going to see that in our lifetimes, or at least the, the crazy cyberpunk stuff in our lifetimes. It's possible. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen, especially where we see the issue. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, uh, castration fetishes, uh, <laughs> fetishists, I should say. Mm. Those guys, I mean, a lot of them want these, what are ostensibly transgender surgeries, not because they're transgender, but they have this fetish and they have sexualized this transformation of the body. And so, yeah, you do have, again, changing these uh, noble treatments for something that is perverse. But people are always going to do that kind of shit regardless of what mm. the what is medical out there. People have, yes, um, no, that's definitely not a thing when it comes to 
people who are trans, but it's, I know people who mm. have, not, I know people, I've read up on people who have had the uh, yeah, amputation fetish as well. And oh, and that's the other one, yeah. So, and it does get to the point where they just have this overwhelming desire to cut off a limb and some are able to go for their entire life without doing that. But then some people just take a fucking gun to their leg and oh, end up wow. that way. That's typically a minority, like like less than 0.1% of 0.1% kind of deals. But it, it is weird that there are... that. That's the thing. Our, our brains are fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, long story short. Yeah, so that's why I'm fascinated by the idea of, well, will augmentation always inevitably lead to at least a, a, a very minor subset turning into a perverse thing? So... Speaking about the brain that's fucked, as a segue, <laughs> um, it never occurred to me, now I know more about technology and operating systems, GUI interface and stuff like that, how is Robocop's targeting broken? Because he says he's locked on to the baby food, mm. but he's not. So shouldn't he? shouldn't his brain be going... I'm not locked on because I can't... So is that an optical problem? Or is it a wiring problem? Because for me, if he was targeted on the camera, mm. on the baby food, but it wasn't hitting, that makes more sense than he's looking at a completely different area. It would have been, yeah, much simpler if they had shown... So she asks, uh, are you locked on? He says yes, and we are shown that he's in fact locked on. He fires, and then it's not yeah. hitting the target. So you know, okay... There's something wrong. There's somewhere along that communication pathway, something's getting lost. That's it. Movies, movies over. It's no longer perfect. I found the flaw. It's fucked. Fuck. Oh my god. I mean, we got. It's a good long run. You know, eighty-three <laughs> minutes, guys. Thanks for tuning minutes, in. The movies been, ruined. Yeah, there's only <laughs> nine minutes left or something. But yeah. No, uh, I see why it was done this way. It's a visual language thing. It makes sense in context and how you would have thought about it in the 1980s. But I just rewatching this going, I never really thought about it until rewatching this minute and just going, that doesn't make sense from a um, programming point of view. Mm. Like, if he's seeing the shot happen somewhere else, that actually would make more sense. Like, he's locked on. Mm. He's got the, the crosshairs in, but then, like, the bullet ricocheting, everything happens off screen. You're like, oh, that would make more sense from a POV point of perspective. I just had a thought. His vision is limited to whatever camera technology exists at the yeah. time. So, you, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, human beings aren't actually seeing reality. I was actually, no. oh my God, I keep getting into arguments with my mum because she thinks she has perfect memory she has perfect oh, uh view of reality she thinks her reality <laughs> is perfect she will not uh hear any arguments to the contrary <laughs> and so one time i did break it down and just say well human beings don't see reality as it really is no. so what do you mean well uh, why is our version of reality more real than a mantis shrimp that can see more colors than we can even yep. fathom are you telling me that they're not seeing reality? Because I think they're seeing more reality than we are. We have literally a color spectrum where we cannot see things that will potentially kill us. We cannot see, um, mm-hmm. we cannot see uh, ultraviolet, and we can't see infrared. Yeah. Ultraviolet it can really fuck up us, and like that's that's you get cancers and shit like that. So yeah, yeah, it would be very advantageous how that would look. I have no fucking clue. Um, because we have a color spectrum, that's what's here. The best way I've heard our senses be described is that it's perfectly designed for the, the humanity level, in the sense of, like, we cannot see the macro and we can't see the micro. We're perfectly designed to see what we need to see on our level to survive. We don't need to see microscope. Yeah. Macroscopic creatures. We don't need to be able to view the entire universe. I mean, being able to see germs would be great. Yeah. That would be very handy. Or maybe horrifying, I don't know. But that's the, that's the thing, is that um, our eyes are evolved to fit within a particular limit. It's got three cones, so we can see the um, the full colour spectrum. It's not got anything else. It's not, it's not got less cones, so it's, it's designed. Our mm. eyes are designed... Uh, 
to our uh, self-protection that's why i've got eyelids which also self serves mm. to hydrate them and stuff like that well the funny thing is my brain went to uh the uh, uh rubber cops eyes are in um 720p <laughs> Yeah. So I was, trying to, I was trying to think of the lower resolution, um, 480, uh, 320? 360, yeah. 360p. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, it's interesting that the uh, author, the, the existential crisis he settled on was immortality. But yeah. I think for me, what would be more terrifying is realizing all the experiences I won't have as a human being anymore. These very crucial feelings and needs that I think we've talked about even the, the need to eat and, mm. and eating with your mouth and having those sensations. Yeah. You need that. And so the idea of, oh, well, this is, I've got this friggin' target laser system thing over my vision <laughs> or I'm in this body. I think, again, the Robocop remake weirdly enough, does capture that claustrophobia. He's mm. trying to pull it off, and he's freaking out. It's just like, oh, God, oh, God, what what am I? And that so beautifully encapsulates what I think the real horror of that situation would be. It's not yeah. living forever. And uh, here's a good segue into the audio commentary, because they do talk mm. about the symbology of the baby food. So the baby food was in the script. And even in this thing about, you know, Robocop stacking the baby food to shoot it, for Ed, it was just a thing. It was just a, a means to end to do the targeting thing. There's actually a really good thing is that this particular scene is actually all about Murphy and Lewis working together. And that's part of that mm. whole thing is, is the is tying these two characters together, which is one of the reasons this scene is so brilliant. Mm. For Paul, though, the baby food symbolizes Robocop's childhood that got stolen from him i would say by extension robocop's humanity but uh paul did specify childhood what but he was an adult man yeah that's is why i think it's a bit weird. but to me it's it's like for me it seems like it's a very good symbology when it goes to like his part of his humanity you know is like yeah i think humanity or innocence i think i mean there is yeah. a language barrier there too yeah. so i don't know so but he did specify childhood very bizarre but okay so the framing of this particular moment is very crucial for what Paul did. So the moment where Robocop, after stacking the, the bottles, walks out of frame and shoots it off, deliberately walks out of frame and shoots it off camera, is a deliberate message to say that this is um, Robocop like walking away from that part of life and essentially committing suicide to it. His words, not mine. Mm -hmm. For me... I think that, again, comes into the whole idea of... It's a bit of like the rejection of his... What's left of his humanity to a certain degree. Like, almost like he has to let go of that to move forward. And I think... Yeah. That's where this says a lot. Well, it's it's a violent act towards something that is... Almost the violence that's been put upon him. Uh, human or juvenile. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of interesting things going on in this minute, uh, and as I mentioned before, it proves that uh, Lewis is an incredible badass, because yeah. she's lying there on friggin' <laughs> metal dowel, rusty metal dowel, and then she gets woken up by gunfire, and then she's totally fine. I mean, yeah. she's shocked for a second, and then she just pleasantly asks Robocop with a you know, slight smile on her face, oh, what are you doing? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. And then immediately belts up, what can I do? Can I help? <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, so the one question Ed asked, uh, sorry, Paul asked to Ed what his symbolism was for the baby food, mm. and yeah, Ed's like, yeah, there was no symbolism, I just wanted him to have something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> But further to what you just said, yes, um, Ed actually points out that part of his idea when it came to writing the scene was that um, he references as there's there's a deliberate closeness with this scene, and he actually uh, refers to it as um, I'll try and find the quote here uh, that it is sex or a Western archetype. I don't quite get the sex thing, but the idea of like. Uh, uh, like intimacy and companionship and even like the ultimate friendship as well. The symbology is about the bonding, less about, hey, she can shoot like him or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, again, one of the reasons I think this is really good. One of these scenes might have been good in a remake, just saying. Hmm. There's a lot to it, even though it's weird, because I think there's 
I thought we were going to have nothing to talk about, and then I listened to the commentary, and I was just like, oh, shit, I've got to try and get all this in. So Robocop looks at Lewis sleeping. Hmm. Uh, so he's acknowledging, I'm aware that you're asleep. <laughs> I don't know, he just doesn't give a fuck? Like how I feel Murphy would have been a bit more considerate, so I'm, hmm. I'm wondering, what is he thinking in those moments of, I need to practice targeting? And uh, if I fire a gun near a sleeping person, it's a really bad idea, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. In the, <laughs> I think in the... Uh, and let me just quickly look at the book. It, it seems to me like in the original script in that, um, Lewis was supposed to be um, like sleeping in the turbo cruiser away. Hmm. Not literally directly <laughs> beside. It, it makes sense from a cinematography point of view to have her in the shot. No pun intended, but yeah, Murphy, dude, what were you thinking? Yeah, so rude. And I'm wondering if it. Well, I mean, it could just be for convenience' sake. Yeah, but it is. It, <laughs> if I want to read more into it, I think it is a sign of just how much of his humanity he's lost. He's forgetting these very basic hmm. courtesies. He's not able to relate to human beings anymore and i mean you see that throughout the film like when he's uh interacting with the school children and <laughs> he has no yeah. personal response it's all scripted responses and so in this situation his consideration is not does not involve lewis at all i'm just gonna play devil's advocate for the scene uh it could be one of those things where he's finished his sulking he's finished his repairs He's running through a checklist, you know, mechanical checklist. Is this working, this working, this working? And then he's probably gone to go and do his targeting. Oh, God. Does his targeting only work for the shooting? Because mm. I'm just I'm just imagining the scene where Murphy's going for the ratcheting gun and then trying to put it to his head. He's going, whoop, no, missed, whoop, no, missed, whoop, no, missed, whoop, no, missed. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, or uh, eating. That's why he's not eating. Yes. He- <laughs> can't stick it in his fucking gob because his targeting system's buggered. <laughs> so that's why he almost he was going to eat the baby food and then he shoots it in frustration. Yeah, and he can't, can't do it either. <laughs> we, hang on, we're going to have to look back at some previous minutes and we're going to see exactly how many uh, baby food containers that Lewis brings because if there's one missing, we know. We know he was trying to eat it. <laughs> but he solved it. It's the uh, scene from Airplane when um, Jeff Stryker's got his, he's got his drinking problem and it involves him throwing his drink in his face. <laughs> this is just a deleted scene. It's just, his helmet's just dripping baby food off it. Side note, Airplane, or Flying High, is basically what a Mystery Science 3000 does. But <laughs> oh, they actually yeah. went, they they went baller. They went all that. Oh no no, we're not just going to talk over the movie. We're going to buy the fucking rights to the movie, make yep. the movie again, yeah, without our goofs incorporated into it. That's so baller. The thing is that yeah, it's based off a book called Airport. So they bought the rights to the book so they could make Airplane, and they made a more faithful adaptation than the real movie. <laughs> So, it, oh, it's based on a book? Yeah, yeah, it's based on a book out Oh my god. Oh man, I think we've got to read that at some point. I, I must admit, the idea of doing Airplane Minute does fascinate <sighs> me. And, that would be funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Loser Nerd, Mystery Science City 3000, Mega Chad, Airplane. <laughs> MST3K got inspired by things like uh, the Zuckers at Ram Zuckers and things like that. So yeah, it, it's, mm. it, there's a perfect lineage there. But, uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to... Gaslighting Robocop. Alex, how do you feel? I feel fine, Dr. Norton. Minute 97 opens with Sellers saying, I wish I had some good news for Detroit. And ends with Morton walking into the police precinct. It's really embarrassing. He just walks right on into, a, oh, into the wall. You know? Can we do that in minute 20, uh, 98 as well? Cause, uh... And let's include minute 98. Which begins with Morton looking for Lewis, who is still in this movie. I know it's uh, it's somehow, hard to and ends with a soldier getting tased, bro. The one that I have an I seven is uh, attempted murder of Alex Murphy is a bit of a f- that phrase is doing a bit of heavy fucking lifting in this moment mm. because um hmm this movie attempted murder hmm. well that's the thing is that. 
What was the attempt? Yeah, I I think I've had more m- assassination attempts on my own life. If that's if that's how low the bar is, I think I've had multiple. Yeah, someone tried to blow up your power pole. Yeah, someone tried <laughs> to blow up my power pole. Someone broke into my house. Someone, uh, yeah, I st- I've yeah. had more assassination attempts. But this is going back to the thing that they keep harping on about how Alex Murphy was murdered, except mm. that he wasn't. He was never yeah, and- killed. He was still alive! Which, you know, would have been more exciting if they had actually had us think, oh no, maybe our beloved hero is dead, <laughs> dead. for five seconds. Or maybe we were like, hooray, he's fucking dead, is this over? Oh my god, there's yeah. two hours to go. Anyway. So, remember, because even a few minutes ago, they were going about how, oh, he solved his own murder! He didn't get murdered! Why wouldn't Norton, who has complete control over this man's biology, has complete access to all this technology and shit, why not put the guy in a coma that is so low that no one can tell that he is in fact alive, get the guy out of the building, and then do your... Alex! Alex! God. (laughs) Just the the whole thing where it's just like going, you know, running uh, around flag... Yeah, go like we can go to the press. We can do it. It's just like, uh, what? Uh. Yeah, and I think Gary Oldman in that scene. I mean, he's he's doing <sighs> what he was instructed. We need you to be frantic and just like a hen, um, and just go nuts. But it's not really interesting to watch. It's not helping to further the plot. So yeah, I think this is supposed to be a fairly intelligent guy. This is a guy who is motivated. To, to help and do the right thing. Yeah. So yeah, put him in a coma and just get Alex out of there like that. But what did he think was going to happen when he woke him up? He was he going to go, oh yeah, I better go lay low and, and you know, with all these people trying to kill me, I should just mm. go to the press. Mm. No. Well, it's also because we know it's a movie and he literally has 10 minutes to wrap up the fucking plot. I know, we still got half an hour because this movie just goes <sighs> on and on. So, yeah, like, Morton's... So, my next note is, wait, Norton is able to get to... Sorry, Norton is able to reach Lewis and organise the riot police before Flag gets to Omnicorp. I know editing and time is a thing, but Mm. this is the moment where it feels like, jeez, it took fucking RoboFlag a very long time to get there on his high-speed motorcycle to fucking Omnicorp. It's like the pacing in Stranger Things season four. It's just like, holy shit. It's been two episodes that are 90 minutes long and we're still here. We're still fucking here. <laughs> so every season of Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I enjoy every couple of years when this show comes back, I enjoy the exercise of live editing. That's what I call it. <laughs> I figure out which subplots aren't worth watching and then I just cut them out as I'm watching. Yeah, but the fact that, you know, between the time where RoboFlag leaves where he... I, hang on. If he's not... Is he not in the OCP building? If he's not on site at Omnicore, where the fuck is he? If he's yeah. not... And if he's not at the cop no, station... He was, he's in China. He's, in, he's back, oh, in, he's China. back in China. <laughs> he's back in China. He's coming <laughs> That's off... That's why it took so long. He's driving down that very f- famous land bridge between China and Detroit. <laughs> Okay, so let's give it the benefit of the doubt. So, Robocop was on site at the police force. Wouldn't the gunfire in the laboratory tip someone off? Maybe. I honestly think, yeah, going for a quieter solution, have Norton play along longer. I don't even care how you do it, but then the trick is... Why didn't he talk to Lewis... Yeah, and uh, yeah, do that first, dude. Like, you have terrible fucking task management skills. <laughs> so. His project management skills are a bit lacking, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I he, he's a doctor, but I don't know if he, he was running the clinic himself, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Damn it, Alex, I'm a doctor, not a time management yeah. consultant. Well, shit. That's exactly what I was hoping to spare you from. So then he... 
pronounces Alex dead, transports him somewhere else, and then wakes him up, and that's why he needs to get back into the OCP building. Because as it stands right now, wasn't he always in that building? If not, you there was never once an establishing shot to tell us where that facility was. Exactly, and that's the other problem, is that, we, you know, again, Norton magically teleports from the scene to the next scene in a, in a location where we don't know what's going on and also okay it makes let's just say benefit of that yes he's at the cop shop it doesn't feel like it if we spent time with murphy on his bike but then it's like the next minute norton's talking to well he's not even talking to lewis he's talking to a desk jockey ah that's true yeah and then the next thing we see it's a fucking van full of people in riot gear you can't do that in less than a minute yeah so Oh my god, okay. But <gasps> then there was a movie. scene earlier where I think he's walking, yeah, you see Norton walking down those stairs, it's really underlit. And But I'm pretty sure yeah. that was OCP, that was not the police that was precinct. Call, yeah. So what the, oh yeah, my so, god. So, so it doesn't... Was he walking the entire time? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so this is, <sighs> I guess... We need this character to be here, uh, and then they can't just immediately be in the building already. That doesn't work for our plot, so what do we do? Well, instead of coming up with a way to get them out of the building, we'll just pretend they weren't ever in that building in the first place. We just teleport Norton around where we need him to be for plot convenience. And it's one of those things you really wouldn't notice. Well, if it was a good movie, you might notice (laughs) because you're actually invested. Whereas I think by this point in the plot, most people have checked out. And so they just know... I mean, that's... I don't know what that... Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and I guess it's when you're watching a movie, or when normal people watch movies, they're just sort of treating it as if you're watching events unfold in real life. And you don't Hmm. stop to think about, well, hang on, but in terms of structure and editing and pacing and all, most people just sort of just take what they see at face value. It takes a lot of effort to think the other way around. Yeah, a lot of people don't uh, critically... Well, this is what I was saying earlier about, you know, um, the lack of critical analysis when it comes to media. And, yeah, people just... A lot of this stuff washes over them, but, yeah, because we're analysing this thing and we're noticing the inconsistencies and stuff even more... You just can't help but go, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, like Chris Nolan, the very famous example of... Noted hack. Noted hack. Chris Nolan, sorry. Um, the very famous example of Batman riding into a tunnel on his on his bike. And yeah. it's daytime as he enters a tunnel when he comes out oh, outside. God. It's nighttime, and you never question it because... It just kind yeah. of feels right for that scene. You wouldn't have that scene during the daytime. It wouldn't look good. Whereas I think the exact same type of shot, which is one of my least favorite ones from the uh, atrocity that is uh, Bayformers, is literally mm. Shia LaBeouf running out of his house to chase after Bumblebee, which, yeah, that makes sense on foot. Mm-hmm. Literally turning a corner, jump cutting straight into nighttime when he's running into a scrapyard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, was he running that entire time, or did just reality... Sunset in California, just, it's very quick, you know, yeah. But it's, it's not even he was running out in sunset, it was like the middle of the day, the temporal editing sucked! Oh, not the scene in the first one with Barricade? In the first and... one. Bumblebee, as scarpened off out of his house, he realizes, chases after him, and then literally runs out of the house, runs down the street, slash cut to, I think it was a junkyard, and it's the middle of the night. He went from the middle of the day to the middle oh. of the night. Like a 12-hour jump. So it's cut. not the barricade scene. Okay, yeah. Uh, and again, he somehow finds Bumblebee. Mm. <laughs> but, oh, fuck. By that stage, I was just out of the... That was literally the movie. I just was like, no, I'm gone. You've lost me. I love the first Transformers movie. Unironically, uh, you yeah. can continue to love it. Just make sure you use lubricant. <laughs> Bumblebee, quit lubricating the man. <laughs> Fuck! I didn't get to witness that. I only got that from Lindsay Ellis. Thank you. <laughs> um. So, uh, Clara, this is the most plot that she's actually got involved in. So <laughs> she's leaving. You know, she's just had said, oh. "Fuck you, Sellers." 
I want my man, and now you've killed my man, so you're a piece of shit, and fuck you, and we'll hear about this. And then she, uh, yeah, she's a... Are we sure she's called Clara, or she's not called Karen in the scene, because she wants <laughs> to speak to the manager? Yeah, exactly, so she's almost <laughs> left the building with her generic son in tow, so you know he was there. And, um... <laughs> Hello, the... son! Yeah, dot, he's dot, not dot. even like the iPad cousin. Do you you know that everyone has the iPad cousin? That little kid who's just fucking pathetic and only does look at a screen. Um, yeah, he's not I'm even. Very that. certain if I was in this generation, I'd be the iPad cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they say you have you you have to stay here, ma'am. She's like, no, fuck you, and I want to talk to sellers. So they say. Well, I guess you can't find out that we um we we were a bunch of bumble butts and we didn't actually kill her husband properly. So read the fucking room, lady. There's clearly mm. some shit going down. This is not the mo. You need to talk to the fucking manager. And of course, that's the reason why she gets herself kidnapped. Yeah, I hate this film. Fucking hate this film. No, this was the moment she was just like, I'm a strong, independent woman, and <laughs> yeah, this was a bad time to pick that uh that liberation no my brain just went to um single female lawyer from the futurama with bender <laughs> singing the theme tune but it's <laughs> images of clara <laughs> uh God damn it um what else oh yeah um there's just a scene of uh the the swat car truck going down the street <laughs> And, you know, it's nighttime, there's the neon lights, and it's just not the same as in the 80s. You know, you look in the old Robocop. Yeah, this just just looks modern and, yeah. Do I just hate modern cameras? Is that my issue? No, no, no. Modern cameras are fine. It's what people do with it. Mm. Speaking as a photographer, it's, you know, there's only so much a camera can do before, like, the operator error, you know. If you can't light a fucking scene properly... Schneider, why are you fucking shooting things? Why are you even here? You don't even go here. I hate to say, and this is one of the reasons I think, again, my mind just blanks on characters like Lewis, and this is going to get racially charged, but you've basically got a black van with people in black and a black actor, and it just visually turns to mud. There's, like, no good lighting in this fucking van. Mm. Like, goddammit, you've got an person of this skin tone light him so you can see him yep oh fuck competency just competency mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm very severely noted out i was noted out 20 minutes ago for this fucking movie yeah yeah we're almost done we're gonna make it <sighs> we're almost at the end of this god the end is getting closer to this than the beginning was. We're way, way past the halfway mark. We're way past the three quarters mark at this point. The end is somehow coming up to the horizon, and part of me is starting to reflect on this movie and the good film. And I, I will be pretty honest. I think if we weren't, if we had to review this minute, movie minute by minute, okay, we wouldn't. But standing by itself, it's painful standing it next to a genuinely great film but i think having that genuinely great film and seeing how badly it could be seen it's it's been a good experience and we'll reflect on that more in a few months time when we finally get to the end of this thing Mm. at least we've got things that are going to be more interesting to talk about in the next few minutes with robo flag now we finish kind of getting through the oh shit we really need to set up the fucking plot of this movie because we've forgotten to do it for two hours it's like uh, it's it's their homework. Oh fuck! Yes, it's due now. Oh, the credits are coming. Oh no! Oh shit! We got ten minutes to the end. Oh fuck! We better resolve all the plot elements. At least they didn't try and sequel bait. I mean, beyond the fact that you know he survives. Mm. You know, like. <sighs> uh, so where can the lovely viewers find you? They can find me at Painting with Night at paintingwithnight.com and Painting with Night, one word, no caps, no gaps, on Facebook and Instagram. And where can the lovely viewers find you? You can find me at trivingdesigns.com, patreon.com slash trivingdesigns, Courtney Colson on YouTube, and uh, Grace Regeneration on Instagram. 
And uh, you can find us on Simplecast, Spotify, YouTube, Feed the Algorithm, Sacrifice Babies to the Algorithm. Uh, Not to us, just the Algorithm, you know. We we have a strict non-sacrificing things to us policy. Yes. Um, uh, I only take virgins. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a bit worried. (laughs) And... I think that's everything. Uh, oh, and there's the Instagram. I keep forgetting, but uh, if you want to interact with us, I suppose I should say that we are on Twitter and, and Instagram at 60 Seconds to Comply. Facebook as well. And see our cute costumes that we made. <laughs> yes. And until next time. My Robocop's targeting is fine. Perfectly fine. Just, just fine. It's fine. It's fine. 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 It, it's fine. 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 Fine. It's fine. It's, it, it's fine. Probably need some palisillin. <laughs>